Welcome back to the History of North America Extra. I'm Mark Vinette. The Maesta Panels, Chapter 37 Holding the lantern, Wade spun round the center of the circular chamber to better examine his surroundings. His actions cast eerie shadows on the walls of the dig site, shadows that disappeared on three occasions. Julian noticed the same evaporating wall shadows and concluded, as did Wade, that there were three openings in the circular wall. Where did each lead to? Julia wondered. Wade used the compass function on his mobile device to determine which opening would most likely lead to his desired destination, underneath the bell tower. He explained his plan to Julia. She was skeptical. You actually think Giotto lies under his tower, even though there are no records suggesting this? They've never found his remains anywhere else, Wade surmised. Let's see where this opening leads. He moved in the direction his compass suggested. Julia quickly grabbed a nearby conventional high-powered flashlight, tested the strength of the beam, and then followed Wade, staying close behind. The normal-sized entrance suddenly became a low-ceiling passageway with an uneven floor of randomly positioned stones. Their bent bodies advanced slowly forward. Julia's hunched walking position forced her to keep her head down, thereby relying totally on Wade's judgment regarding what lay ahead. The passageway eventually morphed into a low tunnel, forcing Wade to stop and reevaluate his decision to boldly advance to wherever the passageway might lead them. We can't keep advancing without getting down on our knees, Wade announced. Maybe we should turn back, David. Not yet. Let me go on alone for a few yards. The light from my lantern seems to disperse up ahead. Julia Cartier was not comfortable in tight spaces, small rooms, constricted areas, closed or boxed in. She did not consider herself clinically claustrophobic, but her anxiety in confined locations was nevertheless real. Overcoming this fear had, so far, been a lifelong battle for her. Wade remained confident and figured by dead reckoning that his progress would lead to something. Julia crouched down in a semi-sitting position, alleviating the strain on her back. Wade advanced on all fours and soon, Julia heard a slight echo in his shout to her, announcing that he had discovered a subchamber. Despite her uneasiness, Julia was not turning back, determined to forge ahead. Curious, she endeavored to join Wade, hoping to maneuver the low passageway without scraping her bare knees on the abrasive rocks. Her smaller and shorter frame allowed her to walk with her body in a squatting posture, duck style. The bent forward motion she employed was successful, leading her into the new enclave where Wade awaited with helping hands. Both of their portable lamps emitted enough artificial light to expose a gloomy 20-by-30-yard rectangular room at least two yards high, resembling a small grotto chapel. The chamber was not large, but Julia appreciated the newfound breathing space. Although the professional dig team were surely aware of this place, the room was empty of any archaeological equipment, 
Cold Stone, its only inhabitant. This was not an active dig site. The air was cool and humid. This space was not climate controlled. The crowded oratory contained five dusty above-ground freestanding tomb structures, with the largest at the further end, resembling a high altar. Julia again inspected each tomb on all sides, hoping to find identifiable writings, but found none. She moved close to Wade. Why haven't these tombs been opened by the archaeologists? They can't, he responded reminding Julia that the strict rules governing this excavation precluded any disturbing of tombs and burials. Then how can we, or anyone, identify where Giotto rests? Wade half-listened to Julia's last statement. He was inspecting the largest sarcophagus. He held his lantern with his left hand while his right meticulously caressed the smooth stone facade with his fingers searching for some kind of irregularity or indentation. The front and right side offered no such anomaly, but his fingers revealed something odd in the upper left-hand corner of the back side, just inches below the rock-solid covering. Julia, come, I think I've got something here. She joined him and added her light beam in the direction of his fingers still lingering near the source of a slight depression in the stone siding. Wade spit twice in his hand and returned it to the same area of the tomb and began using the moisture to clean a circular indentation. He repeated the cleaning process twice more, each time wiping the grime from his fingers and hand on his jeans. This continuing cleaning process began revealing a golden tint to what was otherwise surrounding stone. Is that painted stone? asked Julia. No, it feels like metal. Yeah, it's definitely metal of some kind, but it's not smooth. It feels like... like a relief engraving. Wade approached his eyes for close examination, concluding that the metal found within the circular cavity was definitely a golden engraved image. What really astonished him, however, was the image looking back at him. Julia, give me the medallion. I'm Mark Vinette, and I hope you enjoyed the listen.